a lot of Georgians have like the Dze in the ending, right? Yeah, so Dze means uh, son of a person, and there is also another surname which ends on Shvili. Shvili means also son. So there's a lot of sons in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello, my name is Patricia Rozvora, and you're listening to Kitchen Conversations. This podcast aims to open up the mysterious and vague Eastern Bloc to a broader audience. For each episode, I'm inviting one artist or researcher, and together we explore the relation, interest, and the urgency to create within the framework of the post-Soviet sphere. Here, I also wanted to thank everyone for listening and supporting this podcast. It's very rewarding to see that with every episode, the community is growing, which was, of course, the whole point of this platform. If you are a regular listener, you might want to check out my Patreon page, where you can support my work and help me develop this amazing but time-consuming project. You can do that on patreon.com slash kitchenconversations. conversations you're gonna meet Georgian filmmaker Mariam Agladze. I met her at a film festival in Rotterdam, Grandmother Film Festival, that I was speaking a little bit about during my podcast with Sofia Tabatadze, who is the organizer of that festival. So if you're curious, uh, go back to that podcast. And today, yes, I invite Mariam because I met her in the festival. She was uh, one of the present filmmakers there and I did a little podcast about the festival. That's how we met. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, her film that she was showing there, Nanuli and Gogi, that we will speak as the first one in this conversation, which we, you will hear in a few seconds. I loved the way uh, she visually uh, works in film and how she tells stories. And I invited her for a coffee and we decided uh, once she's back in Georgia and I'm back in Berlin, we will connect online and record this conversation for you. During this episode, you will also hear Mariam speak about her short three-minute video that went viral, one out of seven, that addresses uh, the problem of domestic violence in Georgia. And last but not least, we will speak about uh, her film Trap Inside that features a boy, a 19-year-old boy who lives uh, with a severe disability and is being taken care of by his mother. The two last films are available to watch on YouTube, so in the show notes I'm putting links. So while you listen to the podcast or perhaps before, check them out. It's definitely worth it and it will give you a visual reference to what we will speak about. The first one, Anuli and Gogi, will be shown in Berlin in 2023, otherwise perhaps somewhere else. So follow Mariam on her social medias. And if you're really interested, I'm sure if you write her, she can share with you a private link to her Vimeo account. So let's begin. Welcome, Mariam, to Kitchen Conversations. Where are you now, actually? I'm in, uh, in a countryside because today actually is a, just an ordinary working day. But uh, spontaneously, my friend just called me and uh, he has a party in this house tomorrow. 
tomorrow night. So he needed to work on his set. He's a DJ. He was playing before our uh, conversation. And now I asked him to stop because it's too loud. (laughs) (laughs) But tomorrow we will come here to party. So. And that's close to uh, that's close to Tbilisi. Yeah, it's uh, 10-15 minutes to drive. But it's always nice to be in the nature and to calm down um, psychologically and mentally and physically, because you know the green uh, color of nature it calms down your vision, your mind. Whenever I have a chance to go somewhere, <laughs> I always say yes. <laughs> Even though I might be fired from my workplace, but I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think you'll be fine. (laughs) And tell me, so before you were actually uh, studying abroad, you were um, living in Estonia and you did your studies there. Yeah, I did my uh, bachelor's uh, in uh, Tallinn um, in Estonia. Uh, the university name is uh, Baltic Film Media Arts and Communication School. It's quite long name, but shortly it will be BFM. I studied audiovisual art and then I graduated as a documentary filmmaker, documentary director. So my first film uh, actually was a documentary, my graduation film. It's a 14-minute film, which I filmed in Georgia. And we filmed a, a couple... Uh, Nanuli and Gogi, uh, their names, it's a grandfather and grandmother. They are the only couple who live in the village. So that's the, actually the movie through which we met, because you were showing this movie in Rotterdam in a grandmother film festival, where I was also <laughs> included uh, as, yeah, I'm making a little podcast about the festival. So that's also nice for people to maybe listen and then also find your voice somewhere there also. I, I actually wanted to start from a different movie of yours, but if we are already with this one, let's begin there. That was your graduation project and you came to Georgia to film your grandparents, but they are actually not your biological grandparents. Correct. No, they are not. Uh, they from my childhood, so they were my neighbors. But we are relatives, and sometimes when my uh, family members they were too busy with work, they were just sending me during my summer holidays in this village, and the couple was always there for me, <laughs> to take care of me, to feed me, <laughs> to play with me card games and so on. Um, And then one day um, when I was studying, I thought, okay, why not? Because these are great people and I want the world to also meet them, you know, and to listen to them. Because they had such uh, unique jokes. I I thought, okay, I shouldn't be the only one. I I felt selfish that it was only me who who knows them. (laughs) So I wanted the world to also... mm, meet them, to listen to them and to really think uh, about uh, topics that they discuss on the movie. First, when you start watching it, rather light-hearted movie, like a couple, uh, old people living in a nice village house, but they speak about quite some deep topics. And uh, yeah, you uh, kind of give the viewer like a nice entrance to it. But can you first tell a little, um, you guys have the same surname, is that right? But you are, are you related or are you not? Can you tell a little bit uh, what's the surname kind of Mm -hmm. situation? 
so my surname, uh, Agladze, it's my uh, mother's surname. Uh, but in general, in Georgia, uh, when a child is born in a family, um, out automatically uh, this child has a father's surname. Uh, but in my family, <laughs> it's a funny story. Uh, when my mother and father met, my father is from Ukraine and he needed to have a job in Georgia because he wanted to live in Georgia, not to go to Ukraine. So it was really hard for him to find a job with the Ukrainian surname. So my, my parents, they decided to, that my father should have my mother's surname. <laughs> so in the end, my father got my mother's surname. And that's why uh, me and my brother, we, we have like uh, Agladze, which is actually my mother's surname. And uh, <laughs> the story, how it continues is that... Uh, well, sometimes families separate and my parents also, unfortunately, uh, they got a divorce. And after that, my father remarried and he has, uh, from his uh, new family, he has uh, two children and their surname is also Agladze, which is my mother's surname. Oh, wow. it, ne it always, ne it never happens uh, in Georgia, like never. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's a, it's a really funny story. It's, I, I think my mother is a feminist, really, really strong feminist. <laughs> and so uh, these grandparents of yours, they every holiday in summer, they go to the countryside house where they just spend their days. And so what is kind of the, the everyday for them there? Their everyday routine life is that wife always stays at home uh, to prepare food uh, and to clean the house. And uh, the man always goes to vineyard to take care of, uh, uh, of grapes, uh, other fruits and vegetables and just to take care of the land just to watch how it goes, how the plants grow. So he, he needs some time to be alone, but usually wife gets a bit upset and angry when he's uh, gone, uh, as they are all alone in the village. Especially when you are old, probably it's really, really difficult to, to stay alone for a for longer time. And in the evening, when they meet, <laughs> they usually have like uh, arguments, small argument with the jokes of course uh, it never grows into violence or something like aggression never they just uh, discuss uh, things and then they are together again happy <laughs> and uh, they also speak about death right so they kind of feel that at some point one of them will be gone and they are kind of jokingly speaking who will be the first and how will the other deal with it. So they are very much aware of their age. And I think that was so beautiful how you showed it through certain symbols. Can you talk about that? For them to be filmed, it was uh, something new. Uh, they never had an experience to work with a camera. So I only asked them one time, just once, just don't look uh, into the lenses of the camera and that was it. 
and they understood what to do um, and they they were behaving so naturally that I was so happy that the movie was <laughs> going to be successful because uh, in documentaries it's really really difficult like uh, for for fiction film it's easy because you have actors and actresses and you know that they are experienced but for documentaries something there is a chance that something might go wrong so I was really happy that uh, they started to talk to have a dialogue naturally and as for topics uh, I also didn't ask them to talk about death obviously because um, like I didn't want to upset them would be strange uh, no to ask about yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I thought that they will talk about it because they always uh, touch this topic whenever there's a guest or someone, because for, for others it's uh, difficult and it's a bit uh, uncomfortable to maybe to be with the older people and to talk about death, of course, but uh, they were making it so light with their jokes, this topic, and you also laugh, even though it's not funny at all, <laughs> but you laugh. So their ages are 86 and 84, so they are quite old. They can walk and they can think rationally, so they uh, don't have any kind of disease. So I'm, I'm happy for that and I'm very, ha very glad that uh, they are still like energetic and they can still move. And when they started to talk about death, <laughs> they were making jokes like who's gonna be the first. So um, my movie's initial title was uh, First You or Me. But then um, somehow we changed the title and we just decided to have it as their uh, names, Nanuli and Gogi. They talk uh, who's gonna go first <laughs> and the husband says that I wish uh, that you go first to his uh, wife because I want uh, the house to be clean and to be ready <laughs> uh, and to welcome me. <laughs> and that's uh, what they are making uh, jokes. Yeah, it's um, yeah, really nice to have that kind of uh, sense of humor. <laughs> so fun. always good. Yeah. So in your movie, we see uh, the man that goes uh, to the field to work with the special tool to cut uh, the grains and the grass. And that's also the sim symbol of death. And this is kind of very funny how he comes back with this tool and then they start speaking about the death or like, I think the wife is asking, so did you see the death? Why, why have you been so long gone? Like, did you talk to the death? And it's very funny because he's holding the tool. So it's like almost he's the death, you know, which is like so <laughs> hilarious. Right. Yeah. It's it's funny how different people um, see this movie because actually that uh, that tool it's always in the village. You know, it's it's in every everybody's village. It's always there in the garden, in the backyard, in vineyard. But we we never thought when we were making this movie we never thought that oh this is a symbol. You know, it just happened. <laughs> so it wasn't. Uh, I, uh... Uh, we didn't just prepared because he's when he walks uh, to the vineyard he always has this uh, tool with him so it was just very very spontaneous and i'm very happy that uh, you saw that <laughs> oh Definitely. it's a symbol <laughs> okay good <laughs> nice so the festival where you were showing um, 
one of the festivals, because I think you showed the work already before, uh, was organized by my previous uh, guest, Sofia Tabatadze, who is also from Georgia. And actually during the festival, we spoke a lot about the topic of death and uh, grieving and so on. And she shared with me that actually in Georgia, it's quite a common topic to speak about those who left and in general speak about death. How do you see it? Because for me, for example, being from Poland, it's definitely a taboo. You don't really speak about it. It's something you don't want to know we don't want to speak about I think it's also influence of the Catholic Church so so how is it in Georgia well in Orthodox Church uh, it's not quite the same as in Catholic Church whoever is uh, dead from our family like our grandmothers or uh, even I don't know uncles uh, when we grow up maybe our mothers uh, fathers they are our relatives they are our blood so it's always good to remember them and even when we go to church, sometimes we just uh, think about them and we say that uh, they should be in a light, which means that they should be in uh, heaven always. Uh, also, we have this uh, tradition whenever we have a birthday party, whenever we drink or we celebrate something, we always have uh, one toast uh, for dead people. Um, it, it's it's not sad, but it's just tradition, and we just remember some uh, funny stories of our life when we were all together. Mm, we just remember certain days when we were having fun together, and so on. And we have this tradition that after that toast, we should not stop drinking because it shouldn't be the last toast, but we should just continue. And so the second toast after this uh, uh, dead person's toast should be for new life. So life continues and it's a cycle. So we always say always for like newborn babies, whoever is like um, in the family, whoever has a new family member, um, we say that, okay, they should have a good life, um, like they should be happy, successful, healthy, and so on and so on. I think in that way also uh, children are less afraid of uh, dead bodies or dead people because you are so close to death from childhood and you understand that one day, I mean, the time will come for, for everyone. And in that sense, we are uh, getting this awareness and we are getting this information that it's it's normal. It's it's nothing to be scared of and it's nothing to be stressed about. You just have to find uh, one peaceful moment uh, every day and just do whatever uh, you feel like uh, doing and whatever you love to do. And that moment might be just to sit down and just to think about people you loved and they are not alive. And that's also, I think, um, nice. And it's really nice feeling when, when you remember them. <laughs> and when you think that, oh, we, we might meet again in the future, you know, one day, who knows? In this few minute break, I could be promoting a useless product or an external sponsor that would allow me to make this project financially sustainable. Yet, I want to use this few minutes to tell you more about my Patreon account that I mentioned already at the beginning of this episode to show how you listeners can support this podcast financially. 
Patreon is an American membership platform, but working also internationally, that provides tools for content creators like me to run a subscription service. Uh, that way, creators can earn a monthly income and in return provide the subscribers with some cool rewards. Under patreon.com slash kitchen conversations, you can find my subscription service where I offer four membership levels. I think it's generally great that all the material that I'm producing is free for you to use and on all the podcast players yet it would also be nice to have a type of income from all the work I'm doing to also uh, bring the podcast further to invite some more guests speak about various uh, topics have a better quality and also perhaps be able to pay at least a symbolic sum to the guests who share so much uh, of their art and the insights of their practice with all of us. So please check out my Patreon account, see if you can support in any way. Otherwise, you can also share the podcast with one other person that you think could benefit and have an interest in it. Tell me, Mariam, do you feel... More like a filmmaker or like an artist or activist? How do you define your practice? I think as a documentary filmmaker, I just uh, like to uh, talk about topics that I really care about. Otherwise, the film, I think, in my humble opinion, I think that it, uh, it will not be successful. I mean, if you care about uh, something really and uh, if you're stressed or if, you, if it, this thing really worries you and touches your heart, then it should be definitely successful. And if, uh, if something just uh, pushes you to do a movie about something that's okay, it's it's important topic, but I don't really care about it, and I don't link with this topic, and I, I have no emotional connection with this topic. Then I think it it will not that that good. It will not be that good. Yes, I was asking about how you define uh, your practice because the next two films that we want to speak about are, yeah, I would say quite political or politically engaged and speak uh, about important uh, social topics. Uh, in terms of Georgia, but also, I think, worldwide. And yeah, I would like to start with your very short film. It's only three minutes, 17 seconds long, but it went quite viral. And yeah, it's a very powerful piece. I think I saw it three times and it really touched me. Uh, it's speaking about yeah the problem of domestic violence in Georgia. So first thing that I want to mention is that uh, domestic violence against uh, young women is quite a big uh, problem in Georgia. If we check uh, statistics, uh, before our conversation, I checked the statistics and uh, last year the number was uh, 16,328 uh, uh, total victims. Okay, these are both uh, men and women, but majority of the of them are women. So first of all, I, w I want to start with the reason um, why it happens. 
and with whom it happens. So I think, and well, uh, professionals say that uh, the first reason is that women um, are not financially independent. So whenever you have a family, you kind of feel that I mean, Georgian women, not like all of them, but uh, it's patriarchy in Georgia. So um, men is raised in a way that they have to be a leader in a family and they have to be strong. They have to be, uh, they have to have a high salaries. They have to be powerful and they are also a mechanism of uh, control. They control women's behavior. Uh, they control what women how they are dressed, uh, where do they go, how they behave, what they say, and so on. But this is actually also violence. It is actually justified by our society, unfortunately, but it is what it is. That's also what people often tell me about Poland, but then I say no, but among my friends, I don't really see that. But how do you observe that within your kind of peer group? Um, I think also young people have problems, like not only older ones, because uh, we still need the dozens of uh, years to somehow overcome this and to become more... Um, a better society, I would say, but we are not uh, there at all, and we are maybe we are not even going to that direction, because uh, whenever you ask um, people, society, um, they tolerate. Um, Uh, violence. Uh, they say that, oh, it might be women's fault because she got beaten by uh, her husband. I mean, it's just nonsense. Come on. It's um, physical, uh, mental um, abuse. It's uh, something that you shouldn't tolerate. Never. doesn't matter what is the reason, but uh, you shouldn't encourage these uh, uh, people who beat their wives. It's like system of patriarchy. There is a pressure on men uh, that they um, should have high salaries, they should be successful and if a man is not successful then they become um, violent because they are not successful and they fulfill uh, themselves uh, to prove that they are still powerful they beat their wives But on the other hand, if, for example, a woman has a better salary and if woman is uh, uh, financially um, uh, independent and uh, they have better salary than their husbands, this also triggers men to become violent because they, again, they feel that they are not uh, powerful enough and they are insecure in that way and they want to prove again that uh, they um they are still in charge. A uh, good thing is that last couple of uh, years we we started to talk about it because Address, significantly, yeah. yeah, yeah, significantly more NGOs and public services um, have been involved in this topic to raise awareness and to provide needed services uh, for gender-based um, uh, violence. And the number that I mentioned before, um, this is the number that victims actually called. They actually dialed 112, this service. Uh, but imagine how many people are there who have not called 
and uh, th we don't know the statistics. So uh, we have to double or even triple this uh, number to actually um, have the, the correct uh, number of victims. The economic system and the situation of Georgia in general doesn't really help and it just kind of enhances this frustration of people, right? And this kind of inability right. to actually make money and have an easy life and it's just like a circle. Right, we, we have some uh, NGOs uh, that work on that topic, but then these women sometimes they, um, they have no education whatsoever and they, uh, when they were 16 or 17 or 18 years old, they just butts and got married and uh, they left their um, education, they left their careers, everything just for the family. And then when they become uh, uh, victims, they ran away from their homes and even their families are not taking them back, like their parents, they are not taking them back sometimes because they think that, oh, it's like what others think will think about us, us what neighbors and what relatives will think about us that you got divorced and now you, you, you're going to live with us? No, and they just... Uh, they are just left alone from everyone else, from their parents, from their relatives, from their friends even. So, uh, and they have nowhere to go. And sometimes they, that's the reason why they go back to their uh, husbands, their, their violent husbands. So you took uh, part in one of those programs, which kind of provided some finances for yeah, artists and filmmakers to kind of make something and comment on this topic, kind of bring it out from the yeah, underground and to the public. One day I, I saw that um, there was this open call from um, Radio Liberty, Radio Free, uh, so-called. I saw this open call and I thought, okay, like, aren't you bored? I asked my friend, like, let's do something. Let's have a project together. So we started to brainstorm together with uh, our cinematographer. And we were thinking, okay, this is a pretty harsh topic and we should be really, really careful about it. Then uh, we had the idea to get actual calls from 112, which is also, it's the same in Europe uh, when you want to call for help you should dial 112 so we decided to go to Ministry of Internal Affairs and to have uh, actual calls real real actual calls and um, surprisingly they were happy to share it with us with one condition that we would uh, pitch all the voices so pitching means just to change the the voices so uh, no one could identify their personality and so we definitely we pitched uh, the voices of these uh, women who were victims of violence, either from their husbands or from their fathers or from their other relatives. And they were all men, aggressors. And uh, when we had all these voices, then we were thinking about visual part. Uh, and we decided not to stage anything, but just to film uh, plain um, buildings in Georgia. We went to countryside, 
and we 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 found some really really beautiful uh, buildings and we thought okay maybe violence happens here as well and we just uh, filmed these uh, buildings and that's all there the, there are no other visuals the, there are no no people just these voices and uh, visual parts of uh, buildings uh, exterior and interior of uh, different houses and apartments uh, which we found in Georgia when you speak Georgian, when you know and understand Georgian, you have a better understanding and you feel these women more than others like outsiders. If you don't speak Georgian, of course you, you see the subtitles and you understand what's going on and you hear their screams and they are in tears and they are in, in terror, they are scared. But when you understand Georgian, what they are saying, how they are saying these words, then it's it's more emotional in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine. I mean, already for me, I got like goosebumps watching it. Like the screams for help are so, so real and so terrifying yeah I was actually my question was how did you deal with the privacy but I guess the pitching down the voices kind of made the thing because of course it's such a such a private thing to actually come out and call for help because so many of those people never do so yeah you you kind of pitched the the work and it got some great um well great it, it made the thing, right? It really reached the audience and it addressed the problem. And as you said, it went viral. Uh, I actually didn't expect that because uh, on that topic, there were also other films, other artists also um, made short films about this topic. Next day, I got uh, two invitations from uh, two different uh, TV stations and they invited me to have a talk about this uh, issue. And also many people reached me on, on Facebook saying that thank you so much for making this uh, film. And now even some victims texted me saying that uh, it gave me a power to, to leave my husband and to go somewhere else because uh, I feel that there are so many other women who have the same, exactly same uh, situation and life as me. And they got this uh, energy to leave their husbands and to change their life uh, radically. So uh, I think I, I succeeded in a way that I, I gave some people motivation to, to do what, what they should do. The visuals were so calm and you kind of juxtaposed it with like this brutal situations that happened behind the calm doors and calm facades of blocks of flats, you know. And I think that's also, I guess, why this problem is so um, little discussed because it happens in the domestic. It's something private that is not discussed in the public. And I think this was also even a discussion um, quite recently in the Polish government that you cannot kind of put laws on something that happens privately, that what happens in your house is your own thing and the family should deal with it themselves. The title is one out of seven, correct? 
So uh, these were uh, statistics uh, in 2019 when we filmed uh, this movie. Uh, and the statistics were that uh, every seventh uh, woman in Georgia was a victim of violence, domestic violence. And that's why we decided to have this uh, title, One in Seven. to working on the podcast on this episode I was also finishing a series on Netflix titled Made and made by Molly Smith Metzler and I very much recommend to everyone to watch it it is a 10 episode miniseries which tells uh, the story of Alex a young uh, mother who is struggling to escape an abusive relationship and it shows the circle of why is it so actually hard to admit to yourself, to others, uh, that you are being abused, to look for help and to kind of stand on your own legs after years of domestic abuse. Very much recommend it is available on Netflix and perhaps somewhere else as well. I feel you in general have like this urge to perhaps go inside the houses and show something which is a bit like unspoken about and not kind of taken care by society because another of uh, your projects, your movies. It's about a 19 years old boy who have uh, severe and profound uh, disabilities and his mother takes care of him because he's in a, on, a, on a wheelchair and he, he cannot uh, live independently and he cannot move or eat or do anything what we do um, independently. The movie is uh, in Georgian. It's also a short movie, 11 minutes, and people can see it on YouTube. And indeed, I think the language wasn't that needed because I think the image really works on its own and I think there you also touch probably both topics of course like the, the disability and the life with disability but also about the caretaker who probably I assume from what you told us before is usually the woman and probably most often the mother since then the government I think also doesn't provide and help there much so can you tell a little bit about the situation of mm -hmm. uh, yeah disabled people in Georgia if there is right. some help from the government mm -hmm. provided so there are public services for individuals uh, only under 18 so once you are 18 you are on your own <laughs> so the government provides uh, services there are daycare centers uh, there are therapists there are non-formal education schools which are free they are totally free uh, there are also home-based uh, care practices but it's limited so not largely accessible but what is the most important thing that uh, all these services are only in capital in Tbilisi so um, 
for uh, people with disabilities uh, who live in uh, regions, uh, it's pretty hard for them to get access for these services. And uh, we don't have uh, specific uh, services for severe and uh, profound disabilities, what this the main character uh, has, because uh, these children and adults are usually locked inside, either with their families or uh, they are transferred to psychiatric hospitals, even though they are not psychiatric uh, patients. They are uh, treated as um, uh, psychiatric uh, patients. They um, are given uh, some pills to uh, calm down and to sleep the whole day. So they are not like a big problem for, for others uh, surrounding them. As for the main character, uh, there was a really funny story when we were filming him and his mother. Uh, so his mother was telling us that uh, recently they got an invitation from the army. So they were inviting him to go to army as a soldier. Well, it's mandatory for Georgian um, male uh, to go to army when they are 18. Uh, but imagine Vago is his name, Vago sitting on a wheelchair. Like he cannot move, he cannot do anything, he cannot even eat himself, eat uh, independently, but he got this invitation to go to army. It was uh, funny and at the same time like uh, not so funny uh, story. So uh, his mother was sending them back, like replied to the government that, yeah, sure, come and take him, like take care of him, whatever, like I will get some rest, you know, <laughs> when he's gone. So the yeah, so the mother is pretty strong uh, character as well. Um, she uh, works in um, in a theater and film institute as a doctor, but usually he he goes to work maybe two two or three uh, days a week, and all the other uh, time he she's with. Uh, with her uh, son all the time from morning till they go to sleep and then <laughs> at night also sometimes he, he gets the this uh, uh, shakes because whenever he wants to show his emotions his body is uh, shaking. Uh, when we entered their uh, house he he was worried a bit but then after some time he, he was calm because uh, he, he got drugged from the medicine he's uh, drinking usually during the daytime but we we managed to to film we spent actually the whole day in their house uh, from breakfast till dinner uh, and at night also uh, we we entered their house actually when they were um, sleeping so it was early morning oh, yeah, and the first the, and, scene of course yeah, yeah. and their uh, he, he was well, mother his mother uh, told us to to go there because this waking up is a kind of a big ceremony for for him and for her as well as they sleep together in one bed and when they wake up we we showed the whole routine of the day 
because that's what uh, what the mother wanted us to to film we had uh, uh, all the permission and uh, she didn't even uh, ask them to to you know oh cut this don't show how he's eating because uh, it's uh, not something uh, aesthetical how he eats and uh, in in documentary film it's really uh, hard to understand and to feel Uh, where is the the line where when to stop filming and what to film and what not to film because uh, it's uh, already you are going uh, too close to a uh, character and it's too private but she just wanted us to film everything every detail because that's her life that's his life and she wanted to show how it is re- like in reality she was even asking us just do everything like film everything please and don't uh, when you edit don't cut some scenes from there because i wanted i want uh, others the world to see how how it is and this is what it is this is the reality and i don't want to paint it in colors and to uh, to have it you know nicely like butterflies and uh, <laughs> you know happy life because the, it is not happy life it is what it is are you still so. in touch with the family Uh, yes, I am. I am. Uh, recently, he had a birthday. Now he's uh, 19 years old, and uh, uh, she, she's the mother. Is actually socially very, very active. Uh, she's an activist as well. She has her own NGO, um, and this NGO is um, a union of all the parents. who have uh, people who have children with disabilities and they really support and help each other and they uh, share all the information they have with each other and all the um, experience they have uh, uh, because it is very important that you, you, you know someone whose condition is kind of the same as yours uh, and they are also you know human beings and they they need this support you know to to survive to cope with the with the situation with the condition yeah such a important discussion to have but also such a yeah difficult one i mean in poland like the discussion about abortion is very much present since like two years And then the, those who actually advocate for the abortion uh, ban are uh, people who advocate that people with disability should have the same life as us, which I definitely agree. But then what about the government and the lack of stuff they provide and all those problems which should be addressed? And I think actually people like the character in the movie, the mother, should be the ones speaking in conversation about abortion you know because right. those are the ones who decided made a choice and uh, should have a choice mm. you know uh, currently abortion is uh, legal in georgia and there are numerous cases of uh, uh, abortion which is sex selective abortion meaning that uh, pregnant women terminate their um, uh, pregnancy when expecting a female child so a girl 
so abortion, abortion being legal in our country is important step because um, there was a time when it was illegal and uh, uh, many women were going uh, to underground uh, clinics and hospitals to do it um, even though it was putting their life at risk and those uh, clinics were definitely <laughs> non-sanitary um, obviously but uh, it was many many years ago and right now abortion is uh, legal so it's up to a family, up to a woman who is pregnant um, to do whatever they, they want to do. So it's their call. Uh, as for people with disabilities, um, we don't have such case when, so when you're pregnant, the doctor says that, okay, they might say that, okay, uh, your child might have uh, um, uh, autism syndrome or uh, any other uh, disease, but there are always a chance when they cannot see that um, and when they think that the baby is uh, uh, pretty healthy uh, and then woman decides, okay, I want to keep this baby and then when they give birth uh, after a few years then they discover that uh, the baby has some disabilities. So it's always up to a mother, up to a parent uh, to decide uh, whether they have to carry and keep the baby or not. But I'm happy that you're making works about it. It's so, so important and I'm happy that people can just see them on YouTube, you know, and it will also uh, reach more audience, I feel, and perhaps motivate people to yeah, organize themselves and also see that there is other people going through the same things. I guess that's also super important. Let's end up with a little uplifting note, although I think uh, it's also important to speak about heavier topics on this podcast as well. This is called Kitchen Conversations and I usually at the end ask people about uh, their favorite food from home since we speak here about uh, yeah Eastern European um, post-Soviet regions and one thing that connects us is somehow the taste and the food. So what is like your favorite food uh, when you are in Georgia? What do you like to eat there? In Georgian, the name is pchali, uh, which is a vegetarian uh, food. Uh, it's uh, mainly spinach and other uh, vegetables with uh, walnuts. And it's yummy, super tasty. <laughs> is it like an easy thing? To, can everyone make it at home or is it more... Uh... Uh, you can make it at home. Thing, yeah? uh, you can make it ha at home, but if you buy uh, spinach leaves, then uh, it's a hard work. You have to wash them, you have to boil them and prepare. But you can also buy it prepared like frozen spinach and just to cook it yourself at home. I think the vegetables in Georgia are like super tasty because they get a lot of sun. So I think that's probably True. the secret also. Maybe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, well, I think I will finish here because I'm super scared that it will just cut us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure uh, to talk uh, with you about topics that are uh, really, really important. And uh, I wish you luck and uh, success to your uh, podcast um, <laughs> uh, and uh, world peace. <laughs> 
word peace and I see you somewhere around. Well, I saw you in the Netherlands and you were also uh, in Amsterdam. Maybe you come to Berlin and, or I come to Tbilisi. You're always welcome. This was it for today. Thank you for reaching till the end of this episode. I will see you next time with another great artist and speaker. And as mentioned at the beginning, you can support this podcast via Patreon on patreon.com slash kitchenconversations or alternatively, you can also help me develop this platform by making a one-time donation, following my Instagram account or leaving a comment on one of the podcast players. All of the needed links are placed in the show notes of this episode. Take good care, until next time!